0: So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Oh, hello, uh, and welcome to the Leaves of Glen haunted mansion. It's a fun little bit that I'm still doing with this annoying music, uh, where I pretend to live in a creepy mansion, and not just recording in my already creepy basement. This is where I read the hottest public domain books and short stories. This week, uh, we're going to read John Charrington's Wedding by E. Nesbitt. Uh, Want to learn a little bit about the author? Sure you do. Edith Nesbitt, married named Edith Bland, uh, was born the 15th of August, 1858, and she died the 4th of May, 1924. Oh, she was an English writer and poet who published her uh, books for children as E. Nesbitt, which is kind of fun. She wrote or collaborated on more than 60 such books, and she was also a political activist and co-founder of the Fabian Society, a socialist organization later affiliated with the uh, Labor Party of England. I read one of Nesbitt's works uh, back on October 28th, 2020, called A Man-Sized in Marble, which I don't particularly remember uh, very well, so it must have not been all that great. Want to hear some fun facts from hell? That's what I call this segment, because it's October. In 1877, at the age of 18, Nesbitt met the blank clerk Hubert Bland uh, Her elder by three years That's disgusting Seven months pregnant She married Bland on the 22nd of April 1880 But did not initially live with him As Bland remained with his mother Their marriage was tumultuous. Early on, Nesbitt found that another woman believed that she was Herbert's fiancée and uh, had also borne him a child, which is probably the reason why he's living with his mother, trying to escape all these women he's impregnating. A more serious blow came in 1886, when she discovered that her friend, Alice Houghton, a horrible name, was pregnant by him. She had previously agreed to adopt Hotson's child and allow Hotson to live with her as their housekeeper. After she discovered the truth, and, uh, she and her husband quarreled violently, and uh, she suggested that Hotson and the baby, Rosemund, ugh, should leave. Her husband threatened to leave Edith if she disowned the baby and its mother. Hotson, why, how is that a counter-argument? She said you should leave. Then he's like, "Oh, well, I'm going to leave, and that somehow got her to drop the subject. Edith, if she does not do this, Hodson remained with them as a housekeeper and a secretary, became pregnant by Bland again 13 years later. Edith adopted Hodson's child, John. Edith is being way too nice to Hodson. Uh, in The New Yorker, Jessica Winter was noted that Nesbitt's books are at times blighted by racist and clo- uh, colon- colonist, my God, I can I can say that, language and anti-Semitic tropes. Although she was the family breadwinner and was the uh, father in the railway children, declare that the girls are uh, just as clever as boys. Don't you forget it. She did not champion women's rights. She opposed the cause of women's suffrage, mainly, she claimed, because women, uh, women could swing Tory, thus harming the socialist cause. Moron. In 2022, nearly a century after her death, The Railway of Children, HarperCollins Children's Classics, and The House of Arden, New York Review Children's Collection, were reissued. She is said to have avoided the literary moralizing that characterized the age, and most crucially, both books are constructed from a blueprint that is also a kind of reenactment of the author's own childhood. The ideal, torn up at its roots by the exigencies of illness, loss, and grief. Ah, crap, I still got time before the goddamn grandfather clock goes off. I don't have anything else fun to say. Uh, how's marriage? It's fine. Uh, how's work? Same as it was before I was married. Didn't change after. Uh, how's the dead cat? He's dead. Uh, life's actually easier. He doesn't shit anywhere anymore or piss all over the place. I miss the little man, but it is also kind of nice not to spend, like, on medication per month for this guy and he shits everywhere. So that's kind of a nice little add to an already sad death. Eh, Anything else? No. I'm going to go see a movie with my kid tomorrow. Uh, We still got Jesus still going. Waiting for the bat, the grandfather clock. Am I ever going to buy a car? Probably not. Uh, I cleaned my garage out recently Oh, thank God Okay, well with that, why don't we dive into the uh, story in the Library of the Damned. I hope you get all settled. Uh, I can't believe that I forgot the one cool thing I did do this weekend, which was drink way too much and go see a satanic doo-wop band. Got together with my uh, friend tattoo mark and uh, we had a sort of a double date thing and we went to, to the fine line in Minneapolis and watched a satanic doo-wop band. And uh, I will say one thing for Satanists, uh, they're all really polite. There was a guy who was way too drunk standing around outside and everyone was just tripping all over themselves trying to make sure he got a ride home safely from an Uber and everything. It was a really weird uh, nice nice experience. Uh, well, hail Satan. Okay, so John Carrington's Wedding by E. Nesbitt. No one ever thought that Mary Forrester would marry John Charrington. But he thought differently. All the things which John Charrington intended had a queer way of coming to pass. Oh, oh, he asked her to marry him before he went up to Oxford, and she she laughed eh, and refused him. And he asked her again the next time he came home, and again she laughed and tossed her dainty blonde head, and again refused. A third time he asked her, uh, she said it was becoming uh, a uh, a confirmed bad habit, and laughed at him uh, more than ever. John was not the only man who wanted to marry her. Uh, She was the belle of our village quartery. Whatever. And we, I'm not reading this on the Kindle, so I'm not looking this shit up. And uh, we were all in love with her, more or less. It was sort of a fashion, like a heliotrope tries to inverse capes. Whatever. Therefore, uh, we were as much annoyed as surprised when John Charrington walked into our little social club. And, uh, and it held in a loft over the Saddlers. And I remember inviting us all to the wedding. Your wedding? You don't mean it. Who's the happy fair? When's it to be? Oh, John Charrington filled his pipe and lit it before he replied, and then he said, I'm sorry to deprive you fellows of your only joke, but Miss Forrester and I are to be married in September. Ah, you don't mean it. Ah, he's got the mitten again. What the hell does that mean? And it's turned its head. No, I said, rising, I see it is true. Lend me a pistol uh, some one or first-class fare of the other end, nowhere. Uh, Cherrington has bewitched the only pretty girl in our twenty-mile radius. Was it mesmerism hmm, or love potion, Jack, neither, sir, but a gift you'll never have perseverance, and the best luck a man ever had in this world. Yeah, there was something in his voice that silenced me. Uh, all in a chaff of the other fellows failed to draw him further. The queer thing about it was that when we uh, congratulated Miss Forrester, oh, she blushed yeah, and smiled yeah, and dimpled for all the world as though she were in love with him and had been in love with him all the time. Upon my word, I think she had. Women are strange creatures. Written by a female author. Ah, we were all asked uh, to the wedding... Brixham, everyone who was anybody knew everybody else who was anyone. My sisters were, I truly believe, more interested in the trousseau than the bride herself, and I was to be the best man. The coming marriage was much canvassed at the afternoon tea tables in our little club over at Sadler's, and the question was already asked Does she care for him? I used to ask that question myself in the early days of our engagement, but after a certain evening in August, I never asked it again. I was coming home from the club through the churchyard. Our church is on a time grown hill, uh, and the turf about it is so thick and soft that one's footsteps are noiseless. Oh, I made no sound as I vaulted the low, litched wall and threaded my way between the tombstones. It was at the same instant that I heard John Tarrington's voice and saw her. Oh, May was sitting on a low, flat gravestone. Oh, her face turned toward the full splendor of the western sun. Oh, Oh, its expression ended at once and forever. Any question of love for him. It was transfigured to a beauty I should have believed possible, even to that beautiful little face. John lay at her feet. Then it was his voice that broke the stillness of the golden August season. My dear, my dear, I believe I should come back from the dead if you wanted me. I coughed at once to indicate my present and passed on into the shadow fully enlightened. The wedding was to be early in September, two days before I had run into town on business. Yeah, but the train was late, of course, and for we are on the southeastern, and I stood grumbling with my watch in my hand. Whom should I see but John Charrington and May Forster? Oh, they were walking up and down the unfrequented end of the platform, arm in arm, looking into each other's eyes, careless of sympathetic interest of the porters. Of course, I knew better than to hesitate a moment before burying myself in the booking office, and it was not till the train drew up the platform that I obtrusively passed the pair with my gladstone and took the corner of the first-class smoking carriage. I did this with good an air of not seeing them as I could assume. I pride myself on my discretion, but if John were traveling alone, I wanted his company. I had it. Hello, old man, came his cheery voice as he swung his bag into the carriage. Here's luck. I was expecting a dull journey. And we're... Where are you off to? I asked, discretion still bidding me turn my eyes away, though I saw without looking that hers were red-rimmed. What? She's like a meth addict? To uh, old Bainbridge's, he answered, shutting the door and leaning out for the last word of his sweetheart. Oh, oh, I wish you wouldn't go, John, she was saying in a low earnest voice. I feel certain something will happen. Do you think I should let anything happen to me? And the day after tomorrow, our wedding day. Don't go," she answered, uh, with a pleading intensity, which uh, would have sent my Gladstone on the plat—what's a Gladstone? Just a bag, I guess. It's just a bag on the platform, and me after. But she wasn't speaking to me. John Carrington was uh, made differently. He rarely changed his opinions, never his resolutions. He only stroked the little ungloved hands yeah, that lay on the carriage door. I must, may the old boy's been awfully good to me, and now he's dying. I must go and see him, but I shall come home in time for dash dash dash. The rest of the party was lost in a temper of the rattling lurch of the, study, uh, the starting train. "Eh, hey, you're sure to come? She spoke as the train moved. Nothing shall keep me, he answered as we steamed out, and after this, at his last seat of the little figure on the platform, he leaned back in his corner and kept silence for a minute. What he spoke, it was to explain to me that his godfather, whose heir he was, uh, dying at the Peasmarsh March Place, some fifty miles away, had sent for John, and John was felt bound to go. I shall surely be back tomorrow, he said, or if not, the day after, in heaps of time. Heaps! Thank heaven one hasn't got up in the middle of the night to get married nowadays. And suppose Mr. Bainbridge dies... "'Alive or dead, I mean to be married on Thursday,' John answered, "'lighting a cigar and unfolding the times. "'At peace March Station, uh, we said goodbye and got out, and I saw him ride off. "'I went to London, where I stayed the night. "'When I got home the next afternoon, a very wet one, by the way, "'my sister greeted me with, "'Where's Mr. Charrington?' "'Goodness knows,' I answered testily. "'Every man since Cain has resented that kind of question.' I thought you might have heard from him, she went on, as you're to give him away tomorrow. Isn't he back, I asked, for I had confidently expected to find him at home. No, Joffrey. My sister Fanny always had a way of jumping to conclusions, especially such conclusions that were least favorable to her fellow creatures. He has not returned, and, what is more, you may depend on it that he won't. You mark my words. There'll be no wedding tomorrow. Well, with that, why don't I... Why don't we listen to a a weird commercial from the 70s, and then I will take you upstairs, with my wife's permission, to read to you sexy literature on my blood-filled waterbed. When Bill invited Susan to lunch, little did he know that she was a victim of Raven House Paperback Mysteries. So Donnelly knew Albert was deathly allergic to bee sting. Uh-huh. But I was still surprised to find out that he planted the killer wasp in Albert's car. Well, I don't understand. Why were you so surprised? Well, I thought it was an accident. Oh. So I told the police... Wait, wait a minute. You what? I told the police. You told the, the police? Why'd you do that? Well, I've had to report the accident. Report an accident? In a book? <laughs> Ravenhouse publishes new mysteries every month which one will claim you as its victim? If you're clever enough you'll find Raven house mysteries wherever paperbacks are sold. <laughs> Well, it's a fun little commercial, wasn't it? To think that people listened to that shit back then and actually thought it was real entertainment. Uh, why are you dressed like Jerry Seinfeld? Did you just, did you honestly just make an airplane food joke? What the hell's going on? You're creeping me out. Oh, you're pointing at a book on my blood-filled water... The Stand-Up Groomsman by Jackie Lau. Uh, it's contemporary romance. Ugh, that makes sense. The bridesmaid and groomsmen put their differences aside to get their friends down the aisle in this opposites attract, steamy, romantic comedy. Ah, they say uh, to never meet your heroes, but when Vivian Lau's roommate gets engaged to her favorite actor's co-star, she has no choice but to come face to face with Melvin Lee again. He's just as funny and handsome as he is on screen, but thinks she is a snob, eh? Huh? And a sellout what kind of comedian is this? It's none of his business how she chooses to live her life. No matter how charismatic he is, Mel is used to charming audiences as an actor, to stand up comedian, but can't connect to Vivian. Oh, she's smart. Oh, she's a talented artist. But uh, which is why he thinks she's wasting her life as a corporate finance drone. The only th- oh, so he's not a dick. He just wants better for her. The only thing united them is their goal for. The the wedding to go off without a hitch. As they collaborate on a wedding cake and karaoke parties, uh, Bell realizes he might have seriously misjudged his bridesmaid, while Vivian discovers the best man might just be as dazzling off-screen as he is on. With the wedding underway, uh, maybe more than one happily ever after is in the future, well, that sounds boring as hell, and there's no way in hell I would read that. It sounds like a big waste of time. Stand Up groomsuit by Jackie Lau. It comes out in paperback for 17 bucks on October 25th at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books a Bookshop.org, Hudson Booksellers, IndieBound, Powell's, Target, and Walmart. Well, with that, uh, I hate your suit. I hate the way you, you look right now. I hate the way your hair frames your face. Why don't we go back down to the, uh, what is it, the Library of the Damned? Is that what I called it? Yeah, let's go back to the Library of the Damned and uh, finish reading this story. Get you all settled oh you still wearing the jerry seinfeld outfit i hate it i hate the way he looked in the 90s and i hate the way you're dressed and also the little bones in this song uh piss me off i'm gonna be kind of happy when october's done because the music i picked out for this is just hell on earth for me my sister Fanny has a power of annoying me which no other human being possesses. You mark my words. I retorted with austerity, You better give up making such a thundering idiot yourself. <laughs> Jesus! There'll be more. There'll be more wedding tomorrow than you'll ever. Uh, that you'll ever take the first part in. Prophecy, which by the way came true. Oh, thanks for giving that away. But though I could snarl confidently to my sister, I did not feel so comfortable when, late at night, I, standing on the doorstep of John's house, heard that he had not returned. Oh, I went home gloomily through the rain. Next morning brought a brilliant blue sky, gold sun, and all the softness of air and beauty of cloud, burp, as go to make up the perfect day. I woke with a vague feeling of having gone to bed anxious, and rather uh, feeling rather averse to facing that anxiety in the full light of wakefulness." "'With my shaving water come a note from John, "'which relieved my mind and and sent me up to the foresters with a light heart. "'May was in the garden, and I saw her blue ground through the holly locks "'as the lodge gate swung to behind me. "'So I did not go up to the house, but turned aside down the turfed path.' "'He's written to you, too,' she said without preliminary greeting when I reached her side. "'Yes, I'm to meet him at the station at three and come straight to the church.' Ah, oh, "'Her face looked pale, but there was a brightness in her eyes "'and a tender quiver about the mouth that spoke of renewed happiness. "'Mr. Branbridge begged him uh, to stay another night "'so that he had not the heart to refuse,' she went on. "'He is so kind, eh, but I wish he hadn't stayed.' I was at the station at half past two, and I felt rather annoyed with John. It seemed a sort of uh, slight to the beautiful girl who loved him, but he should uh, come as if he were out of breath and with the dust of travel upon him to take her hand, eh? which some of us would have given the best years of our lives to take. But when three o'clock, tra- a train glided in and glided out again, had brought no passengers at our little station. Oh, I was more annoyed. Uh, there was no other train for 35 minutes, and I calculated that. With much hurry, uh, we might go uh, get to the church in time for the ceremony. But oh, oh, what a fool to miss that first train. Uh, What other man could have done it? Thirty-five minutes seemed a year, and I wandered around the station reading the advertisements and the timetables and the company bylaws and getting more and more angry at John Charrington. This confidence in his own power of getting everything he wanted the minute he wanted it was leading him too far. I hate waiting. Everyone does. But I believe I hated more than anyone else. The 335 was late, of course, and I ground my pipe between my teeth and stamped, like a little baby, stamped with impatience as I watched the signals. Click. The signal went down. Five minutes later, I flung myself into the carriage that I had, uh, that I had bought for John. Drive to the church, I said, as someone shut the door. Mr. Cherrington hasn't come by train. Anxiety now replaced anger. And what had become of the man? Could he have taken uh, suddenly so ill? I had uh, never known him to have a day's illness in his life. And even so, he might have telegraphed. Some awful accident must have happened to him. And the thought that he had played her false never, no, not for a moment, entered my head. Yes, something terrible had happened to him. But on on me lay the task of telling his bride. Oh, I almost wish the carriage would upset and break my head so that someone else might tell her. Not I, who, but with nothing to do with this story. I was five minutes to four as we drew up the churchyard gate and a double row of eager onlookers lined the path from lynch gate to the porch and I sprang from the carriage and, and passed up between them. Our gardener had a good front place near the door. I stopped. Are they waiting still, Biles? I asked, simply, uh, the gain time, for, of course, I knew "'that they were waiting, uh, the crowd's "'attentive attitude. "'Waiting, sir?' "'No, sir. Why, it must be over by "'now. Over? The Mr. Charrington's "'come. Uh, to the minute, sir. "'Must have missed you somehow, and I say, "'Sir,' lowering his voice, "'I never see Mr. John in the least bit so afore, "'but my opinion is that he's been drinking pretty free. "'Oh, oh, his clothes are all dusty, and his face like a sheet. "'And I tell you, I tell you, I didn't like the looks of him at all. "'Oh, and the folks inside are saying all sorts of things. "'You'll see, something's gone wrong with Mr. John, uh, "'and he's he's tried liquor. "'He looks like a ghost, uh, and in in, in he went, "'with his eyes straight before him, "'with uh, never a look or a word for none of us. "'Him!' That's always such a gentleman. I'd never heard Biles take such a long speech. Yeah, because you never talk to your gardener very often. You don't treat him like a person. And the crowd in the churchyard were talking in whispers, getting ready, uh, rice and slippers to throw at the bride and the bridegroom. All the ringers are ready with their hands on the ropes to ring out the merry peal as the bride and the bridegroom came out. Uh, a murmur from the church announced them. Out they came. Oh, Biles was right. John Charrington did not look himself. Oh, he's in his coat, eh? His hair was, uh eh, disarranged. He seemed to be having uh, been in some sort of row. For there was a black mark above his eyebrow. And he is a deathly pale. But his pallor was not greater than that of the bride, who might have been carved in ivory. Dress, veil, orange blossoms, eh, face, and all. They passed out ringers, as uh, stooped. There were six of them. And then, on the ears expecting the gay wedding peal, came the slow trolling of the passing bell. A thrill of horror at so foolish a jest from the ringers passed through us all. But the ringers themselves dropped the ropes and fled like rabbits out into the sunlight. The bride shuddered and great shadows came out about her mouth, but the bridegroom led her down the path where the people stood with handfuls of rice. But the handfuls were never thrown, and the wedding bells never rang. In vain, the ringers were urged to remedy their mistake. They protested with many whispered expletives that they would see themselves further first. In a hush like the hush in the chamber of death, "'The bridal pair passed into the carriage, and its door slammed behind them. "'When the tongues were loosened, a babble of anger, eh, wonder, hmm, conjecture, eh, "'for guests and spectators. "'If I had seen his condition, sir,' said the old forester as we drove off, "'I would have stretched him on the floor of the church. "'Sir, by heaven I would, before I would let him marry my daughter. "'Then he put his head out the window. "'Drive like hell,' he cried to the coachman, "'and don't spare the horses.' Oh, he was obeyed, and we passed the bride's carriage. I forbore to look at it, and Old Forrester turned his head away and swore. Oh, we reached home before it. We stood in the hall doorway in the blazing afternoon sun. In about half a minute, we heard wheels crunching the gravel, and when the carriage stopped in front of the steps, Old Forrester and I ran down. Great heaven! Eh, uh, the carriage is empty, and yet... I had the door open in a minute, and this is what I saw no sign of John Charrington, and of May, his wife, only a huddled heap of white satin laying half on the floor of the carriage and half on the seat. "'I drove straight here, sir,' said the coachman, as the bride's father lifted her out, and I swear no one got out of the carriage. We carried her into the house in the bridal dress and drew back her veil. I saw her face. "'Shall I ever forget it, Yeah, white?' comma, white and drawn with agony and horror, comma, bearing such a look of terror as I have never seen since except in dreams. Her hair, her radiant blonde hair, I tell you, it was white like snow. As we stood, her father and I, half mad at the horror of the mystery of it, a boy came up the avenue, a telegraph boy. They brought the orange envelope to me, and I tore it open. Mr. Charrington was thrown from the dog cart on his way to the station at half past one. Killed on the spot exclamation point. That's a weird way of saying that. Killed on the spot that's kind of like a fun way of saying that. And he was married to May Forrester in our parish church at half past three, in presence of half the parish. Uh, I shall be married, dead or alive that part's in quotes, so I guess it's just kinda of calling back something he said. Uh, what had passed in the carriage on the homeward drive? No one knows. No one ever will know. Oh May Oh my dear before a week was over, they had laid her beside her husband in our little churchyard on the time-covered hill in the churchyard where they had kept uh, their love trysts. That's the end of the story. Oh, well, that was crap. Uh, why don't we retire to the, uh, what I call it, the smoking room of injustice? I can't remember what the hell I named these things. Hold on. Uh, the haunted smoking room. We're going to the haunted smoking room to talk about the story. I'll get yourself settled in here in the haunted smoking room while we recap, uh, what we just read. Uh, John, kind of an asshole, uh, can't seem to take this woman's, uh, word. Oh, I forgot about the crows. Are the crows better than the birds that my wife put in the smoking room? I can't tell. They're still birds. They all have cloacas. They're disturbing. Um... My uh So he doesn't really care if she has agency or consent. He just keeps hammering her with marry me, marry me, marry me. Eventually wears her down. Then magically in the graveyard, she's somehow super in love with him. I didn't really catch what that was about. I don't know if he, like, did something magic to her. They were kind of insinuating it with, like, a Svengali kind of thing. I'm not sure. I don't really care. And then uh by the end of that, uh they, they're supposed to get married. But he's going to go see his uncle or some shit. I don't know. He's just got to leave town. So... He dies, but God damn it, he's going to get back in time for the wedding. So he comes back for the wedding, and he marries her, even though he's clearly dead, and uh, he scared the shit out of his wife. So it's bad enough that she barely consented to this marriage, but then she didn't have a choice to consent to marrying a dead person. She didn't know. How did she find out? Because she died somehow in the carriage that they were both in. Uh, so sucks to be her, I guess. You have an overbearing fiancé... Now, husband, that just never stops being overbearing. I'm not going to die unless they take you with me or something. I don't know. So now they're buried together in the same place where they flirted. Stupid. What's good about this story? I don't know. E. Nesbitt sort of seems like she sucks. Uh, And her story kind of blew. Uh, What sucks? E. Nesbitt and her story. Uh, What did we learn? I don't know if someone's really aggressive about something, maybe you should take that as a sign and stay the hell away from them. Uh, So with that, thanks for listening. We're even closer to Halloween than we were before. I think I got one more episode in me and then I can go back to reading the judgment on Janice. So thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you next week. Not losers. So if you're cool, uh, feel free to go over to my website, uh, nuzzlehouse.com. You can see a backlog of everything I've ever read, including stuff like gestating the curious mind with my lady friend, and also a a little side project I'm going to be doing with my daughter. Oh, I'm on Instagram, but no one uses that anymore because they all use TikTok. Am I ever going to get on TikTok? No, no. But if you want to look at my dead Instagram, it's, at uh, House Nuzzle. I also have Twitter, which I use the most, which is also conveniently at House Nuzzle. Uh, and since, uh, since I think you might be cool, you can always just email me directly. Glenn.Nuzzles at gmail.com. But don't, uh, don't email if you're a, a nerdlinger or a dork. Now, back to business. I can't believe I drank all of them already. There's gotta be one left.